Good morning, everyone. It is the 13th of December. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Seamus Lyons. Equity markets recovered their form last week, despite a continued lack of clarity over the Omicron variant. Why such a positive performance then, Seamus? Hi, Lorna. Yes, uh, the S&P 500 index in the US and other markets as well, but certainly to say the S&P, you know, that recorded its biggest weekly gain since February, primarily as fears about the Omicron variant seem to subside somewhat. We saw actually most of the benchmarks move near their record highs once again. The markets this time were led by technology stocks, so information technology stocks. They drove a lot of the rally as we saw solid gains in Apple, which now is approaching a valuation of almost $3 trillion. But yeah, what was the main driver of the markets? The week's started off on a very strong note because over the weekend you had people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, President's Chief Medical Advisor in the US. He had said in an interview that there did not appear to be a great deal of severity for this new variant. Um, and also you had other persons as well from like the CDC, WHO, you know, all talking about the variant and probably in a more mild or less severe manner. This reassured investors. Also, you had some companies that came out during the week, such as Pfizer and their European partner, BioNTech. They showed that their third dose of their booster would actually prove very effective effective against the new variant. So all these kind of things really help markets be more reassured because the previous two or three weeks, they were less assured and saw a lot of volatility. Yes, I do. I suppose that is very reassuring. If we move on to macroeconomic data then, and the end of the week, we had the much anticipated US CPI inflation reading for November. How did those numbers come in? Yeah, so the November Consumer Price Index, uh, which was reported on Friday, that rose by 0.8% on Friday or 6.8% annualised. This is the biggest jump since 1982, so the highest inflation we've seen in many decades. And whilst rising energy costs probably deserve most of the blame for this, the, the core index, so which excludes food and energy, that also rose by a large amount, by 0.6% or 4.9% on an annualised basis. That was driven by notable gains in rental prices, Older prices and travel related categories as well. So, so very high numbers. But actually, as you mentioned, the consensus coming into this was for a very high number anyway. So, the numbers did actually come in around what the markets were expecting. And so, the markets took the news well. Equity markets didn't react, overreact. And on the bond side, a lot of the traders there seemed to take it in their stride. Perhaps as well, because a lot of people did think there could have been a higher or more negative number for markets. And so, actually, for instance, the 10 year Treasury note that fell actually on the news. So, that had been rising for much of the week, but it came back on the back of that news. So, yeah. It was a high number, but a number that the market probably was comfortable with. Yes, fair enough. We also had inflation numbers from China. Are we seeing a similar scale of price increases there? Yeah, so the CPI numbers there actually came in about 2.3% gains or rises year on year. But this is actually slower than an expectation for a 2.5% rise. Although then again, it was picking up substantially from a 1.5% rise in October. So uh, consumer inflation remains more modest in China because uh, strict COVID-19 curbs, they've really impeded consumption and they've weighed in demand in recent months. But on the other hand, the main issue in China actually is these high factory gate prices that they have. And these are measured by the PPI, the producer price index. This rose to 12.9% in November, which is slightly lower than October's uh, 13.5%, which was a 26-year high in China. November's figures were still faster than the 124 that was expected by consensus. So the authorities here have really made efforts to kind of crack down on, on these on runaway commodity prices. And there's also been issues with, with power there as well, because these, if left uncurtailed, could have a large impact on economic growth. So that's the main issue in China, more on the kind of producer PPI prices as opposed to the consumer prices.
Yes, and they are fairly eye-watering numbers, and we'll monitor that one, obviously. But in the week ahead, Omicron will likely continue to provide the backdrop, but the limelight will be taken by the central banks. We have monthly meetings from the US Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank and the Bank of England, and we might have expected some big announcement given the persistent strength of recent inflation data. Is that likely to happen now? Yes, as you said, many meetings this week. Let's start with the Fed in the US. So given developments in the labour market and sustained inflationary pressure, it is very widely expected that the FOMC will decide to speed up the pace of their tapering. From currently where it's $15 a month of tapering, it'll increase, it'll double to $30 per month. And this would mean that the tapering will conclude in mid-March. And thereafter, it sets the stage for an earlier liftoff rates. So now a lot of, let's say, the median interest rate forecast or the dot plots is looking like two to three interest rate hikes in 2022. Also expected from this meeting would be a change to some of the language used in their statement where the word transitory would be replaced. So transitory, it'll be replaced with a more detailed description of inflation. Powell's already indicated as much, and he did a recent testimony to Congress a number of weeks back, and he talked about that as well. So they're probably the main focus points for the market and the Fed this week. But and other central banks, the Bank of England is going to meet. There probably is a high likelihood of an interest rate right here, primarily because the, the Bank of England wants to reset their communication strategy by getting the lift off of rates after some damaging flip-flopping that occurred last month where they were heavily expected by markets to raise interest rates, but they did not. And so they want to restore a bit of confidence in that. And then the other major central bank is the European Central Bank, the ECB. They are expected to announce the end of their PEPP program, but also increasing purchases on their AAA PP program. So again, just more specific to their QE programs. Also, maybe they might give some more details on how they maintain the flexibility of both their QE programs and whether they adjust their forward guidance and rates and their inflation projections. They'll probably be the key things that markets are going to monitor from the ECB this week. Yes, indeed. We will resume our podcasts in the new year. But in the meantime, thank you, Seamus, very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna.